to a true professional on this one. Please welcome my pal and the star of the Holzer Files on Travel Channel, paranormal investigator, Mr. Dave Schrader. Wow. What a great introduction. Josh Gates just stopping by to throw to me from his home studio. Or I hot-wired it off of the episode I was on of Josh Gates tonight. Either way, we are here to have fun tonight. We've got supernatural and paranormal news from all around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, let's bring our correspondents back on from the great state of Texas. The paranormal detective himself, Greg Lawson. Glad to be here, Dave. Good to have you here. Ladies and gentlemen, the Colonel stepping in now, also from the great state of Texas, Martin Vias. Hey, Dave. How you doing over there? Doing good, buddy. Good to see you. And ladies and gentlemen, rounding out the hat trick from Texas, our own Dallas star, ladies and gentlemen, Eric Folsom. Look at the energy with you guys tonight. I love it. Pretty exciting, huh? We've got some cool stuff taking place tonight, guys. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, Listen, Monday is a special episode of the Paranormal 60. Uh, I have got two guests on. We're, We're talking about the exorcism files facing true evil. And uh, uh, Adam Bly, who is an exorcist and demonologist, will be with us in the first segment. Reverend Bill Bean in the second segment. We're not going to have any other little segments popping up during that show. So we're going to shoehorn in a couple of cool ones and some cool little things throughout this episode. So we've got supernatural news to share with everybody. And um, our first story I thought was pretty interesting, and especially... uh, Greg, I'm going to be interested to hear your take on this. Cops at a forensic school are learning witchcraft to find dead bodies. This is being reported to us from Newsweek. At a forensics academy in Tennessee, future cops are learning how to find human remains underground through witching. Arpad Voss, a forensic anthropologist and instructor at the National Forensic Academy in Oak Ridge, has been training students in this practice, according to a report by Mother Jones and the Marshall Project. Witching, also known as dowsing or divining, involves holding two bent pieces of metal or twigs and walking in a straight line until the rods cross in the direction of an object being sought underground. In this case, they're seeking dead bodies. Voss, who you see photographed here, for those of you watching at home on the uh, video cast, Voss told the Marshall Project that his metal rods could detect piezoelectricity, a charge in certain materials, such as crystals, and they can sense human bones because the skeletal remains can also produce the same charge. Voss also claimed that it is necessary to have rods with the right voltage and to walk with a specific cadence. The National Forensic Academy is a 10-week intensive program for students training to join law enforcement and crime scene investigation. Along with Voss's course, they're taught to analyze bloodstain patterns, process fingerprints, and manage bombs and booby traps at a crime scene, according to the program's website. So this automatically caught my attention. First, I like how they call it. They're learning how to find dead bodies using witchcraft. Dowsing is really not witchcraft, per se. Divining and all of that. And they call it witching because they're using tools to try to find things. But Greg, what do you make of the fact that that an actual forensics academy is teaching dowsing? No, I, I think it's a great idea. And the, and the reason I think it's a great idea is um, there's, there's a certain level of, uh, of investigative, uh, process that you need to go through before you would probably go to that. You know, you're going to be looking for depressions or mounds, uh, where a body could be. You're going to run, uh, uh, let's say a canine through to see if they pick up on any scents. Uh, you're going to do those sorts of things. Um, and then when you run out of that, well, why not go ahead and go unconventional and do something like that? You know, I was thinking the exact same thing. I wonder if it's a trick. Hear me out on this. The trick being that we want you to use this dividing rod. You're going to be doing this. Is it a way to get the investigators to spend more time looking at the ground that they're walking over instead of just kind of traipsing through looking for indents? And, you know, if they if they have to walk a specific pattern and a line looking for depression, perhaps new burial, do you think that that might be part of what they're hoping to do is really trick the brain into using a tool, but making your, your focus be more on looking for things you might've overlooked before. Yeah. So we do that a lot. Let's say an underwater uh, um, aquatic death investigation, we will do certain things to get the divers to pay more attention to their senses as opposed to relying on their eyes. 
So we'll do things uh, outside of that, tell them a certain thing to do. Uh, and then when they go do it and they go, yeah, you know, you told me to do this, but what you said would work uh, didn't. However, you know, I, I wasn't as distracted or whatever, and I did a better job searching. So that would be a, a really interesting uh, learning tool as far as that goes. Very cool. All right. Let us go. Marty, you are up with our first news story after my little quick introduction. But what uh, what have we got going this evening? Hey, Dave. Uh, Deputy Dustin Winter from Hawkins County Sheriff's Office in Tennessee responded to a report of a man shooting at his neighbor's property. Once he arrived there, yeah, yeah. Once he <laughs> arrived there, he spoke to 43-year-old Jamie Lee McGuire who admitted to shooting a shotgun towards his neighbor's property. But McGuire may have had a legitimate reason for doing this. Oh, do tell. Yeah. Well, he claims that aliens were attacking him via telepathic communication. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. As soon as he started, as soon as that started happening, McGuire ran and got his shotgun and began shooting towards his neighbor's storage shed where he supposedly the aliens were hanging out. In McGuire's attempt to provide all the vital details that he needed to provide the sheriff's deputy, he also admitted to smoking meth prior to going to battle against the <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, McGuire informed the deputy of this little-known and scientifically unproven theory <laughs> that using meth blocks telepathic attacks from aliens. Really? That, yeah. that is yeah. a little-known and unproven to this point. To this point. Obviously, it wasn't working well for him because he was hopped up on meth and still dealing with aliens. Yeah, yeah. Having the battle, the the, the, the storage shed <laughs> battle with the aliens. And and unfortunately, uh, Deputy Winter didn't buy this theory. Uh, he ended up arresting McGuire, and uh, McGuire's hearing is set for April the 4th. So, you hmm. know, um, did not really work to convince the deputy that uh, – you know, his uh, his theory was uh, uh, with the telecommunication and all that. But we'll see. April 4th, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. It may, may come out that, hey, he was right on the mark. I have to ask you, uh, Officer Lawson, had you been the one that took this call, would you have been, I mean, since you're into the paranormal, open to the paradigms of this, would you have been a little bit more understanding and perhaps uh, – taking a hit of meth as well, just to see if you could shield your thoughts. I mean, it's yeah. all in the name of science. Yeah. Right. Um, you, you know, uh, I would need a little control experiment uh, on that. Uh, yes. Possibly, uh, you know, using some sort of guinea pig. But, um, you know, there, the one thing that is absolutely proven in the paranormal is that if you uh, induce yourself with intoxicants, you will uh, see more things than what you wouldn't. There, well, there's right. that. Yeah. But and this guy's so, claiming that it would shelter it him. It would shelter him from having these experiences. Yeah. Well, it, um, yeah. yeah. He was protecting himself, basically. Uh, that and his shotgun were protecting himself from these aliens and uh, that were trying to telepathically force themselves into his mind. And hmm. apparently uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't bought by the... Um, Hawkins County Sheriff's Office. So I'm picking up. I'm going to require that. some government funding to study. I believe. I think so. Yeah. I a lot of times police officers only know what they know. So when they see something like this, you know, they're they're just going to go for. Well, he's damaged somebody else's property, and that solves the problem. I'll just throw him in jail. All right. You guys, I'm going to step in here as Dave Schrader, defense attorney at law. I'd like to present this case and have you weigh in on it. Let's see, as a a jury of my peers, my case for this gentleman is, listen, we have a constitutional right to bear arms, to protect ourselves, our livelihoods, and our families, our homesteads. And in this event, who are we to determine what the arms are that we're bearing? I would like to ask the court to consider that my client was simply using a meth pipe and the meth as a weapon to protect himself from this egregious behavior from alien interlopers. I rest my case. Gentlemen? Not guilty. Uh, You know, again, he is trying to prove his theory 
that meth blocks telepathic attacks from aliens. How, how are we ever going to determine if, in fact, that is true without McGuire's research? The, the yeah. good thing is, is this will be adjudicated by a uh, group of his peers. So, yeah. Really. yeah. So does yeah. that mean they have to find a bunch of other meth users? To well, I mean, you know, you got to define that, you know, and that's a good yes. argument right there, right? Right. Speaking of good arguments, it's your turn, Greg. Where are we going next in the world of uh, the paranormal? Well, uh, let's first go to uh, the UK Daily Star. All right. Okay. Uh, Rashin Malone, a self-professed UFO researcher and conspiracy theorist from Maine, claims he found his purpose after being visited by translucent alien beings. Dig it. Ooh, yeah. Translucent. So he later learned uh, they'd been torturing humans to harvest their adrenaline. Malone researches aliens and bizarre, unexplained happenings from across the world and now believes the creatures are sacrificing humans and consuming them. Malone reported, I was sitting there and I felt something touch underneath my chin and lifted up my head. I looked down and I could see a translucent being in front of me with big eyes, a small, maybe three foot tall, uh, see-through creature. And another creature stepped around with an iron rod and put it up against my neck. Then that creature disappeared. The first creature lowered my head and then disappeared. After that, I was like, oh my God, they're real. They are here. That's what he said. That is absolutely so, terrifying. And yet another reason that somebody should be able to bear arms against these beings well, he did, in, in this case, he really didn't get hurt or anything. It was just kind of a, there they are, right? And yeah. since then, he's uh, devoted his life to researching aliens, and he receives funds through his GoFundMe page. So, hey, what should we get that GoFundMe page up real fast? Should we get that GoFundMe page up for the meth-fighting aliens uh, research we're all looking at? Yeah, yeah. That would, uh, that would probably help, uh, at least in his uh, adjudication. Anyway, uh, so... He believes they're actually adrenal chrome harvesting. They're torturing their victims for about 45 minutes, collecting the blood, which contains the chemicals to get them high and drinking it once again. Like you get this uh, chemical, whether it's methamphetamine or uh, human uh, adrenal and uh, adrenaline, and, and they're taking it, I guess, like like cocaine or whatever. So he believes this is where uh, Satan worshipers first learned the practice thousands of years ago, is that these uh, these aliens have been uh, are around on Earth for, you know, a, maybe a couple of centuries. Uh, and that's where humans learn this this particular practice. Uh, Malone now claims he is just trying to get the truth out there. Wow. We appreciate that. Yeah, I you know, people are horrified by this, by this sound, right? Because they're harvesting human adrenal output in order to use it as a drug, which I do believe. And maybe one of you guys can remember, I believe this is a movie. I believe there was a movie where they were harvesting through fear, human adrenal uh, fluid. But if I remember correctly, and again, I'm not a scientist. I know I look like one, but I'm not a scientist. Isn't that what they did for Red Bull? Isn't, isn't the, the kick in Red Bull, uh, adrenal something the, the, other from from cows and bulls. The, uh, yeah, the the powdered uh, adrenal from uh, sacrificed children. No, I, no I that's heard. that's not no, true no. at all. No, okay, no. All but right. I do believe it is from bulls. I, again, okay. somebody could tell me the truth. Email me, Dave at paranormal six zero dot com. But I could have mm. I, I could have sworn that I remembered that back in the day because they were making a big deal out of, you know, they get these cows and 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 bulls all hot and bothered and freaked out. And then they hit them, take the adrenal fluid or whatever. And that's what they're infusing. I, I don't know this to be true. Well, I, I know that there are a lot of uh, food practices where um, they do that prior to the slaughter of whatever the animal is. It's pretty horrific. Right. I thought I'd go dark there. That's why that, like the Kobe, um, what is it, Eric, you know, this, that, that very expensive. <laughs> yeah. Where they yeah. like, they, they, they give the cows beer, they massage yeah. them. They keep um, in a very cow low, children. It right. was, they're cow children. Yeah, and they keep them very placid. They don't even see it coming. And then, wow, steaks. So the meat is is reportedly much better. But I don't know. I don't abuse cows like that. Eric, can you answer to that? I, I cannot. But I would like to ask if that's how Red Bull is made. Mm -hmm. How do they make Monster? Yeah, 
Good boy. Well, you know, yeah. there, there is a big conspiracy theory that Monster is tied to the occult practices because the images on the front of the can, um, they are old like Sanskrit or something that refer to the devil. And there's all these, if you don't believe me, just Google, go down that rabbit hole, folks, because it's all real. It's just weird. I don't know if, if the company chose this on purpose or not, but it's a, it's a very bizarre story. Very mm. bizarre story. Speaking of bizarre stories, Eric Folsom, you have the con, sir. Where are we going next? This is a wonderful story about two male twins who say they've had four UFO encounters, including being abducted by aliens and seeing a pyramid-shaped object. Philip and Ronald Kinsilla, because they're twins, they're both 52, from Kempston, Bedsfordshire, mm -hmm. said their first sighting was of a silver orb at the age of 13. Philip also claimed to be abducted by aliens in 1989. He said, I remember sitting in my home and the atmosphere changed and it became static. The hairs on my back went up and Ronnie went into a trance. He froze and raised his head up to the ceiling. They were being examined by reptilian aliens on board a spaceship, he said. The pair also allegedly saw a hovering pyramid-shaped object in June of 1998. There must be a reason why this has been happening to both my brother and I. I think the authorities know about the aliens, but don't want to scare people. It's the deeper you dig, the murkier the water gets. And they add a little bit more. You know, that This follows an incomplete UFO report published by the U.S. Department of Defense. The nine-page document was less than satisfactory for many people, as it listed phenomena that were already wildly, widely known. There was allegedly a secret briefing between Congress members to remove information from public record. Crazy, mm. crazy. Now they actually, they've written, I, I believe there's a book out where they show the images of the three lights, the triangular shape thing that they saw in the sky. The book is out there and available. I don't have a link for it because I couldn't find the title of the book, but they did share that information. And those are the actual photographs of the twins. This is the one that has me <laughs> Me unnerved. Why, why are they peeking through the blinds? <laughs> are they uncomfortable with what they might see out there? They are twins. Well, there's yeah. that. It, it's waiting for the mental health officers to arrive. Yeah, really. The well, that's the case. Greg, being law enforcement, do you ever get calls for UFO uh, or alien creatures at all? Yes. On, well, on a weekly basis, sure. Do you really? What, what is a call? Yeah. If you could tell me, like, a, a regular call, and I know it's been a while since you've been a, a beat cop like that. Uh, you're you're out diving and running teams, but what exactly do you do on a call like that? Do you do, do you have to take it seriously? So you take it seriously uh, because um, most likely this person is having uh, some sort of um, – um, episode uh dealing with reality so i mean that that's the go-to right um something like that is reported you automatically go okay they're obviously hallucinating having delusions auditory hallucinations whatever and you go there and and you talk to the person uh, and you in your interview you're also evaluating whether or not uh they're uh you know uh uh, related to time and space and what day it is, who the president is. You know, you go through all those uh, general questions that you ask them. If they're um, on meth. Um, yeah, well, are you on meth? Yeah, yeah. Have you, have you taken anything like like that? And you, and you check their background, of course, and see if they have, uh, you know, a mental health history or some sort of diagnosis or something like that. And after you eliminate all that, then you need to look at, uh, you know, the, the more likely thing is going to be some sort of chemicals in the house, uh, if they're in there asleep and they're having, uh, you know, if they, if they have carbon monoxide in the house. And, and, I mean, do you really go through like this much of, of research on a call like this? I mean, are you no, when they're talking about aliens, we just throw them in the back and take them straight to the state hospital. <laughs> 5150. Not really. Observation. So people don't get it. People watch TV and that's all they know about police officers. We spend in a whole lot of time trying to divert individuals like this to make sure that they get help. We don't just hook them up, you know, arrest them for pedestrian and roadway, throw them in the jail and let that, that, you know, those are, those are TV things. I'm sure it's happened before, but typically we do, we go through all of that process and it'll, I mean, it'll take 20, 30 minutes to do it. 
Um, and, uh, you know, you, you hear a lot of the people that have had these involvement, involvement with the police and they'll say, you know, the police came in, forced their way into my house, searched my house, abducted me, took me to an undisclosed location and gave me, you know, uh, some sort of drugs. And that is absolutely true. I don't need a, that statement. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need a search warrant to go in your house to make sure you're okay. So we go in the house to make sure that, you know, you're eating. Okay. You're taking your meds. You're, you're doing that sort of stuff when you're not. Uh, and then we abduct you. We take you out of your house without a search warrant, without a rest warrant, put you in a car, take you to an undisclosed location because we're not going to uh, do anything because of HIPAA. Right. We can't tell anybody where we're taking you. It's it's illegal. So we take you there, put you there. And it's up to the doctors and you to, to contact family and all that stuff. And once you're there, if you're really upset, they end up giving you some sort of medicine to uh, calm you down. Uh, so, guys, so, does this sound like a typical alien abduction to you? They go yes, in, they take absolutely. you out of your home without telling you where you're yeah. going. They yeah, take yeah. you to some undisclosed location, maybe pump you full of medication, do a medical yeah. exam on you, and then return you home. So belly, I have belly I have, button probing involved in that uh, no, there, no. Greg? No, that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's after you get off duty. Okay. Oh, nice. So, yeah, I have actually been uh, been accused multiple times of being a man in black because of the way that we do things. We don't wear uniforms when we do that. You're assigned to what's called the CIT, the Critical Incident Team, which is a mental health certified officer that his job is to divert this person from whatever criminality they're doing, like shooting up your neighbor's house. If the meth wasn't involved and he had a history of mental illness, probably wouldn't have charged him with anything, probably would have just taken the weapons away uh, and taken him to the hospital. So, what if, you know, what if he's not on drugs? What if he doesn't have a history of mental illness, but he's telling you there's an alien back in that shed? Yeah. Um, and you go check and he's not there and you have him come with you. And he's like, I, I can see him, but, or, you know, that person can see him, but I can't, we have a problem there. You know, I, I have to go back on conventional, uh, <laughs> you know, me medicine and law. But you don't go, lay yeah. down just pieces through the yard and see if you can bait it out like ET. Yeah, we need to we need to take you someplace. I want you to talk to somebody about this that knows a lot more about what's going on and 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 take them to, you know, some sort of hospitalization. And the thing about it is, we don't do that with everybody. You have to be a danger to yourself or somebody else. That's why we have so many uh, mm -hmm. mentally ill people on the street today. Is the dehospitalization act that happened back in the eighties. Uh, if the person was not a immediate danger to themselves or others, they forced us to release them from the state hospital. So now they're living on the street and being abused and it's horrible. Or they're working as correspondents on this very show. Well, thank I you, Eric. I think I know how I got on this show. <laughs> We've got a special guest who's going to join us in just a few moments. Hopefully he can hear me off screen and your camera is not on special guest. We're hoping you can join us with uh, video as well. If you cannot, I'll still go to you in just a few moments. But first, gentlemen, I have got a story. We've all grown up watching the classic Universal Studio monsters, right? Frankenstein, the creature, Dracula. How about the mummy, right? And if, if you didn't see that, you must have seen the Brendan Fraser versions of the mummy or God forbid the Tom Cruise version. And who hasn't wondered what a real mummy would sound like if it tried to speak, if it, if it reanimated in some way and came back to life. But guys, thanks to science, we don't have to wonder anymore. A 3000 year old mummy has been able to speak again. The sound of a vocal track from a 3,000-year-old mummy has been recreated using CT scans, a 3D printer, and a voice synthesizer. Now, this is a very bizarre story, guys. I'm going to be honest with you. Details of this achievement, such as it is, were published in the Scientific Report magazine. When asked about the experiment, study co-author John Schofield explained he and his colleagues simply wanted to see if it could be done. We wanted to see whether we could recreate a voice from the past, Schofield, an archaeologist from the University of York in the UK, told Gizmodo. We did this both to enhance our understanding of the past 
as well as demonstrating what we could do in the present. To which he added, part of the motivation was also to enhance that ways that people can engage with the past at museums and heritage sites, for example. For the new study, the researchers sought to characterize the dimensions of an ancient Egyptian individual, specifically an Egyptian priest named Nesuman. Conveniently enough, Nesuman was awarded the uh, this kind of nickname, if you will, that was was carved on his stone, calling him true of voice. So it's interesting that this is the mummy they decided to choose to do this. Like other mummified dignitaries, Nesuman was wrapped in such a way to preserve the body for its passage to the afterlife, explained Schofield, which meant that the soft tissue survived included for this study. And uh, it's it's a really interesting deal. And I've got another photograph here of what they did. They actually put it in to 3D scan it through an MRI style machine so that they could map the vocal cords, the, the thorax and get everything down that they needed. Um, because this this body was so well preserved, the soft tissue survived. The, uh, especially the thoral cavity. Remarkably, the state of preservation was very good, with the vocal tract retaining enough physical integrity to proceed with the experiment. Only one sound could be reproduced because the vocal tract has only one shape here, the shape as he lies in his sarcophagus that produces just the one sound, said Schofield. To create more, we shall be looking to manipulate that vocal tract shape on the computer to enable other speech-like sounds to be made. And in the future, running speech phrases and pot are potentially possible doing this. Now, I can't think of one good reason why we need to know what a mummy, <laughs> original Egyptian from 3,000 years ago sounds like, but science needed to know. So let's listen. Thanks to the mummification process, Nasiya Moon was well-preserved enough to get an accurate scan of his vocal tract. Then researchers replicated it with 3D printing. Now, our vocal tracks essentially filter sounds that are produced from the larynx, giving us each our unique voices. Now, once they had the replica, they hooked it up to an electronic larynx and a loudspeaker. What they heard was the closest thing to the voice of an ancient Egyptian we have ever heard. So what was that sound exactly? Yeah, what the hell was that sound? Was that Stevie Nicks? <laughs> Very close. I will say this. All right, check it out. They're saying that's the first time we've ever heard an Egyptian's voice in 3,000 years. Gentlemen, I have a piece of evidence I'd like to submit to say that we've all heard that before. As a matter of fact, anybody that grew up in my era from the 60s through the 70s and 80s, I believe that Fisher Price had this sound captured all along. This one closes and opens fine. This is the one with the sound in it. Watch when you open it. That's right. The Fisher Price barn has the exact same noise as Nesumon as they agitated him. So we've now got to hear what science thinks is the scream of a 3000 year old mummy. So do you think Fisher Price actually found that 50 years ago? Oh, probably thousands of years ago. I'm sure Fisher Price is part of the Illuminati. Hence, all of the toys that they see out of place in time through history. And I know people, I, I should have mentioned this at the beginning of the show. It is April 1st, folks. None of these stories are April 1st or April Fool's stories. I collected all of these stories earlier in the week. I avoided all the news stories that broke today. All we're doing is reporting on the stories that have been from the last week. So none of these are jokes. These are legitimate news stories that we're bringing to you, no matter how strange and bizarre they sound. But guys, it's time on the show for us to bring in our guest. We have a very special guest. As we know on our regular program, The Paranormal 60, I do a thing called Upon Further Review. And with Upon Further Review, I invite a friend of mine to watch a movie of my choosing. It could be a classic old movie. It could be a horrible B-level movie. It could just be some undiscovered gem. We never know what they're going to get. And Everybody stepped up to the plate so far. So, gentlemen, we had a chance earlier this year, well, la end of last year, to meet this gentleman. And we got a chance to hang out with him. And we know of his interest 
in the supernatural, in the paranormal. So I thought, well, he'd be a great guest to invite in on this to be along with us. Ladies and gentlemen, let me just give you a little taste, just a little taste of who our guest might be. Now, I couldn't afford to play the part where they actually start singing because we, we just don't have that kind of money here on the paranormal <laughs> We just, we can't do it. But I got to tell you, you know, whether you got a chance to see them when they started off and were the darlings of, of MTV, or you got to see them now in, in 2021, 2022, I can tell you Striper still knows how to kick some ass. As usual, Dave, you are 100% right. See, Cameos everywhere tonight. Everywhere. Josh Gates weighing in, ladies and gentlemen, from uh, one of the founding members of Firehouse and now a member of Striper. Ladies and gentlemen, please help us welcome to the show, Perry Richardson. Perry! Perry. Good to see you. <laughs> What's up, y'all? How you doing? Hey, we're doing good, buddy. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight. I'm glad to be here. I love the Striper shirts. Yeah, yes. they're all wearing their Striper shirt. Of course, I, I you know. Yeah, I got... Uh, I got a, a limited edition uh, fan club shirt on. So. Oh wow! Fancy guys, you're missing out. Time to sign up for the fan club. And Greg, you got a better uh, guitar collection than I do. What's up? I am working on it. Uh, I yes. like looking at it. Yeah, Very that's nice. about all I do. I got uh, seven chords. Wow, that's awesome, dude. I got I got a couple of bases over there though. Do you? What you yeah. got? Uh, let's see. I got a uh, Ibanez. Uh, that's uh, uh, a, a pretty nice one. Uh, and then I got a Hoffner. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Perry, don't believe him. That's green screen behind him. <laughs> this guy, he's in his mom's basement, like, uh, Wayne and Garth. Uh, we've got a, a cool movie. Now I had a chance to send you to see this before we go into the review. Had you ever heard of this movie before Perry? Nope. Never. Heard All right. Of it. Let's give our, our viewers and listeners a chance to check out the trailer. Good afternoon, boys and girls. So how many of you have ever had to kill a zombie? Well, not too many. What would we do without our zombies? <laughs> they take care of your jobs. Give me that. This is detail work. Flesh-eating maniacs need not apply. Do the housework. Oh, uh, what is that zombie doing in my easy boy? Uh, and play with the kids. Nice catch, Fido. Names are zombie anyway. Mr. Theopolis has a name for his. I bet he does. Nicely done, Tammy. But for the sake of your neighbors, please keep them fed. Oh, jeez. That's Mrs. Henderson. We're in trouble, boy. Is that blood on your zombie? It was a nosebleed. You stupid zombie. Families having to kill their own. Take Dee Dee's head off in a second if I had to. <laughs> he always says that. Is that bad? Yes. My God. Hold on. I don't want you thinking. What we did is normal or okay in any way. I don't. Find out. So without my job, we'd all be dead. Then where would we be? Dead. That's right. <laughs> now, of course, it says coming soon, but this movie came out a millennia ago, it seems like, Perry. This is one of my favorite zombie movies that's not of the hardcore uh, George Romero style. What did you think of our movie Fido? Yeah, I, I liked it a lot, dude. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a big zombie movie lover <laughs> either. 
but this one I think would be my favorite too. Zombie movie. It's a uh, cause it's like, it's pretty deep, man. It's like it tackles satirically. It tackles like, you know, American society and racism and slavery and, and all this kind of stuff too. It's pretty cool. Um, it's like, it reminded me of like, if, uh, Lassie was uh, filmed during and inside of a corporatocracy <laughs> and with zombies. You know? Exactly. Like- you got Carrie Ann <laughs> Moss, who's playing the Barbara Billingsley, Mrs. Cleaver type look, right? You've yeah, got, she was uh, great. I love her. She was. You know, big fan of oh, Matrix is one of my all-time favorite movies. And uh, yeah, I loved her in that. So good to see her again. Yeah. And then Billy Connolly as Fido. And I love that they treat their their zombies as though they're members of family or pets, right? And that you've always got the crabby dad looking. Oh, look what your dog got into! Look, look at oh, there's not what's a zombie doing sitting in my chair? Such a <laughs> clever way to do it. But you, you're right. This is, and I've always told friends when I try to get them to watch it, I say, this is like watching a Lassie movie, but replacing Lassie with a zombie. And yeah. there is that great scene where. Timmy's running through the long grass, right? And he's yeah. like, come on, boy. And they show Billy Connolly ambling behind him in the in the wild. Fun movie. And, and you know, it does have a lot of that subtext, like a George Romero movie did as well. Yeah. Now, the reason I also picked this movie is that there is a member amongst our tribe here who has authored a book. I don't know if you know this, Perry, but he has authored a book about zombies' rights. Uh-uh. Did you know that? He's a bit of a liberal. He's uh, Greg Lawson. What is the name of your book? How can people find it? Yeah, you can't find it because nobody cares. Um, Yeah, it's uh, it's called Zombie Advocacy. And uh, and it had some sort of subtitle on it also. I don't even remember. Uh, But, you know, it was uh, it was, uh, you know, if you're an American citizen, you come down with this debilitating disease uh, and then all of a sudden everybody can shoot you and take your stuff away from you. No, man. You know, so, um, that's, that's where I came from is, uh, is zombies have rights that, that is, uh, Americans with disabilities act, you know, all the way at the top. You write to afterlife for hippies. You drive me crazy. <laughs> all right, Perry. So for these movies, we always rate them, uh, wraiths, right? So it's uh, a, a phantom here. So one phantom, no good. Five Phantoms. Everybody should see this. Where do you put this movie on the scale of Phantoms? Man, I'd give it. I'd give it a four. I think. Yeah. Nice. A yeah. four Phantom rating coming from Perry Richardson. How much more could you ask for a, a better rating than that? <laughs> now you guys have some exciting news here. I want to make sure people know about this. We're calling on you in twenty-two. Striper has a 17-city tour date that's going to be traveling and more through the summer. There's VIP meet-and-greet packages available at most venues, and you can buy yours now before they sell out. They have an upcoming uh, great list of places. They're going to be in Derry, New Hampshire, uh, of course, home of Pennywise the Clown, New York. Uh, what do they got? Columbia, Maryland, Atlanta, Georgia, Charlotte, North Carolina. Cedar St. Park. Cedar Park. Where is Boom. it? Not familiar. Not familiar. Is that oh, up yeah. in Tejas? Park. Yeah, seventeen. <laughs> these, <laughs> these three right here will be in Cedar Park. All right, oh, yeah. September twenty seventh. Yep. Oh yeah, <laughs> very yeah, cool. Right. So you're back out on the road. You're traveling. Restrictions lifted. And I think you're also on the Kiss Cruise, aren't you? This year? Yeah, yeah. We're going to be on Kiss Cruise. That's going to be great. I haven't, uh, I haven't seen those guys since ninety. Six or seven, maybe something wow. like that. And uh, Gene's a really cool guy. I can't wait to hang with him again. So, hey, spoiler alert: uh, Ace and Peter they don't look the same. Just be aware of that now. <laughs> and some kind of weird invasion of the body snatchers. Yeah, Peter and Ace have been replaced with replicants. That's all I can tell you. There will be a movie about it, Perry. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And just to get back out there, man, we hadn't played. I mean, it's been, what, two years. I've, yeah. I'm going to have to practice again. Well, you guys sounded phenomenal on the cruise this year. It, it was like you guys hadn't missed a step. People can find more information at striper.com, S-T-R-Y-P-E-R.com. We'll have a link up for that on today's program guide as well. Perry, thanks for stopping in, man. It was great seeing you again. Hey, it was good to see you and all yeah. you guys, man. I can't wait to see you in the, where is it, Cedar what? Cedar Park. Cedar Park. Cedar Park. Yeah. We'll be looking for you. 
You guys are skipping Minnesota, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll try and hit it in the summer when it uh, warms up. I like that. All right, Perry Richardson, thank you so much for stopping in. How about that, guys? Calling in the big guns. Rockers Super and cool. rollers. Yeah. That was, awesome. that was a, an extremely fun concert to see aboard the ship. And uh, it was, it was just great to be there and have these guys um, entertaining. And, it, you know, what, what I, I came out to tell you, Eric, right. I'm like, I just had the weirdest experience in the green room. I went to check in and, and Perry Richardson jumped up and he's like, Dave Schrader, darkness radio. I came to meet you, man. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so that was like one of my moments. And then it, as if that wasn't cool enough, cause that was just one of those moments kept to myself where everybody doesn't believe it happened. Thankfully my manager watched it happen, but then on stage during their concert, right? They stopped the concert to thank Chris Jericho. Oh, hell, thanks for having us on. But the real accolades came when Perry goes, and I want to thank Chris Jericho for bringing Dave Schrader at Darkness Radio. Woo-woo! Boom. I like that. I don't know why I'm slipping into, like, his southern cadence. I'm not good at it. <laughs> he does it much better than I do. Um, he loves you. Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. Let's do this, gentlemen. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come right back. We've got more news to share with you right here on the Paranormal 60 Minutes. Do you have an interest in the paranormal? Then you'll love the unxnetwork.com. The X is your streaming audio and video for everything supernatural, strange, and mysterious, like UFOs, Bigfoot, ghosts, and so much more. From hosts like Jimmy Church, Whitley Strieber, Micah Hanks, and Christina Gomez, visit the unxnetwork.com show page for a complete list of all the paranormal programs you'll find on the X. Be sure to follow us on Twitter for updates at KUNXDB. Follow our Facebook group, UNX Network. Find the podcast on Spotify, iHeart, Audible, and Apple Podcast. It's time. It's new. It's the X. We are back, my friends. Thank you very much for tuning in. Look at all the surprises we've had today. We had uh, Josh Gates introducing the show. Josh Gates weighing in on Striper, still being pretty kick-ass at this point in history. And from Striper and Firehouse, we had Perry Richardson stop in. Not too shabby for like our, what, third, fourth episode of the Paranormal fourth News? episode, right? You mm-hmm. had Belanger for almost how long last week? Uh, he was on for... Seems like forever. good point all right marty speaking of uh having a celebrity join us martin Vias, where are we going next sir in the world of the supernatural well we're going to be going to sherwood forest dave um veronica and dean buckley reported on nottinghamshire live that they believe they caught a sight of one of robin hood's merry men while ghost hunting in sherwood sherwood forest Sherman Forest? Sherman Forest. Sherwood (laughs) Forest. Uh, Both both are the self-described medium and paranormal investigators. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, Dean has been investigating for over 20 years. And he's the one that photographed what he claims to be a ghoulish figure of a hooded man. All right. Let's take a look. Boy, that's... A little underwhelming, I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. Definitive. No, not real definitive. It's hard to no. see. You know, I, I try to lighten it up even, and that's the best I could give you. Mm. So that's the hooded. That's that is the hooded, hooded man. That's the that's man. the merry man. Uh, I don't know. These, these guys look a lot more merry than, yeah, than yeah. this fella does. That's yeah. a skipper from Gilligan's Island, you said. Right? Yeah, yeah, look at him playing Little John. That definitely looks like Alan Hale Jr., doesn't it? Yeah. Right, right. And Robin Hood's looking fabulous. Yeah, yeah, they they uh, <laughs> leg yeah. kick. <laughs> both Veronica and Dean stated that they both felt they were being watched by uh, from all angles. Mm-hmm. We felt at every time we went deeper. Uh, they heard whistles, footsteps behind them, and also saw shadows. Mm. They claimed that they would call them out, and they felt excited as they always do. Well, the Veronica said, I felt excited as I always do. It doesn't bother me. So pretty interesting. Um, Marty, why, said, why is it you just keep taking these stories to the, the dirtiest places? Last week you slip in a curse word. This time you're talking about they keep going deeper and Veronica, she just gets excited every time. Come on, man. Class I'm just, this thing I'm just reading Clean it up, Marty. I'm, I'm up. reading what 
verbatim what the uh, Nottinghamshire Live reported. Mm. Isn't that verbatim? <laughs> verbatim. <laughs> verbatim. He's putting the wrong emphasis on the wrong it. syllable. Yeah. <laughs> They're in Sherman Forest. But here's the weird thing, right? Uh, there is actual proof that that a Robin Hood-like character most likely did exist. And I think all of us had a chance to go to Sherwood Forest, mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. On, on one of our Darkness Radio events we uh, when we when we visited England, which is a really beautiful place. Holy cow, is that a gorgeous, uh, gorgeous area? Well, actually, I did a little research. They say that back in the 13th century, people re- would refer to thieves and robbers as Robin Hoods hmm. for some reason. So that's how kind of that whole Robin Hood theory and the whole, uh, you know, story came about. Um, so uh, let's, let's take another peek at the hooded dark figure. So you guys are missing it. Actually, if you're not, you're just listening to the audio portion. Just close your eyes and and you see that. Now kind of look at a light bulb with your eyes closed. And you see kind of that dark visage on the inside of your eyelids. That's kind of what this picture looks like. Am I wrong? Mm-hmm. Nope. Yeah. You hit it. Yeah. Very yeah, I was, yeah. That's it. I was yeah. more concerned by that figure in the far right hand corner of the picture. It looked very <laughs> ominous. Yeah. Actually, oh, it does. Right. This one. Maybe that's what we're supposed oh, to be looking hey. at. <laughs> <laughs> Greg cannot watch. stand being behind that black wall, man. He's got to lean out every time. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Well, thank you, Marty. That's a good one. Uh, interesting stuff. Do you, uh, I, I don't know. I just don't see it. Well, you know, one thing uh, to add uh, that? is that Veronica went on to say that she uh, could see flying arrows flying across as she was telepathically reading into the minds of the merry men that uh, were in the forest. So hmm. again, you know, the telepathic thing again. It's subjective, you know, right? It's hard right? to prove. Right. Who's going to call her a liar? Not these guys. Mm-hmm. Not, not, not these guys. All right. Speaking of liars, Greg, you're up. What's our next? Wow. wow sorry. I'm sorry. You're in. I didn't really even realize I was certified. No, I meant in the story you're about to share. We've got. Oh, yeah, that's true. Story. Let's yeah, go yeah. to our trusted news source, the Times of India, mm-hmm. to our fake God man. A fake God man. Yeah. Okay. Investigators probing into the case of a fake godman who attempted to sacrifice his own nephew earlier this month. Uh, and he had siphoned off millions from gullible citizens, claiming that he had supernatural powers to gain control and drive out ghosts using an electronic gadget that he called the ghost detector machine. I actually because- have a I have a photograph of him and his paranormal team using uh, their ghost detector machine. Uh, it's called, I believe, the Spectre detector. Wow! Wow! I remember All right. that back in the se- that must come out in the seventies. That's kind of when I recall that. Uh, right. What's the name of the cartoon? Uh, got me. Oh, really, guys? This was the they were trying to compare up to Scooby Doo at the time. That was Goober and the Ghost Chasers. Uh-huh. <laughs> Great. Yeah, with his specter detector, which looks a lot like a Star Trek uh, phaser. Yeah. Could be wrong. But tell me more about this God Man. Yeah. His shenanigans. Uh, God Man Need Machine. I want a right? t-shirt that says God Man Need Machine. That's a good line for like a metal song. Right. But anyway, um, uh, police said God Man, known as Maharashtra, created a YouTube channel the Paranormal Rescuer Society, where he posted videos of how he controls ghosts and charged a huge amount from clients who sought his help. The Godman was arrested along with a woman and another person after his sister registered a complaint about him for trying to sacrifice her nine-year-old son to weed out all evil. Yeah. So you're saying that the sacrifice is a bad thing? Well, apparently, uh, it's not that uh, it's not that accepted in India. Uh, That's weird days. because uh, mm. one of the world's most famous quotes: "No victory without sacrifice." Yeah, I'm just saying, if you want to beat, especially the dark forces, well, no victory God man's, without sacrifice. Yeah, God, God man's modus was simple: uh, to capitalize on citizens' fear, projecting himself as a rescuer 
using supernatural powers and to siphon off huge amounts of money. During the investigation, they found a laptop, cell phones, drone cameras, night vision cameras, the ghost uh, machine detector, uh, various types of black dolls, rosaries, pyramids, and materials and gadgets for uh, practicing black magic, along with just being God man. Pretty so police have also was that this is pretty compelling. Yeah, police have also seized animal teeth, snake skin, crow feathers, skulls, and and two tiger skins during the searches. Separate case has been uh, registered for. Uh, abuse of wildlife under the Wildlife Protection Act of 1972. So they're they're cracking down on some of that in India, which is a good thing. And uh, another uh, offense was registered also under the Prevention and Eradication of Human Sacrifice. So mm. they're they're trying to control uh, their God Man and anybody who would. Uh, follow up with his his type of babe at least he was willing to give up one of his own flesh and blood it's not like he was just picking somebody out willy-nilly does he get credit for that officer you know i I don't know whether the kid had a father or not and whether he was a father figure because you know father figure i brought you in this world i'll take you out right that's a rule some sort of rule probably not Probably not. Guys, I said that this was a bit of a special show because Monday's show, we have two guests back-to-back, half an hour with each one, um, the exorcism files uh, facing evil. Adam Bly is joining us. I have not spoken to Adam in almost a decade, and he is an exorcist. He is a deliverance minister. He helps and aids the church. He helps training exorcists. He's going to be on talking to us, and then Reverend Bill Bean in the second half. So that's why we moved to our Upon Further Review to this episode. We're going to also move another one of my uh, little blips from Monday over here. It's time to go by the book. And guys, I know you love to read. Well, Marty, especially if there's a lot of pictures in it, yeah. this book is out right now. It is legitimately out. The what? name of the book is Man Beep This House. It's the Effenheimer. Man Beep This House. And here's the story. Sabrina Haskins and her family have just moved into their dream home a gorgeous craftsman in the rapidly growing southwestern city of Jackson Hill. Sabrina's a bored and disillusioned homemaker. Hal, a reverse mortgage salesman with a penchant for ill-timed sports analogies. Their two children, Damien and Michaela, are bright and precocious. And at first glance, the house seems perfect, but things aren't always what they seem. Sabrina's hearing odd noises, seeing strange visions, and their neighbors are odd or absent. And Sabrina's already fraught relationship with her son is about to be tested in a way no parent could ever imagine. Because while the Haskins family might be the newest owners of 4596 James Circle, they're far from its only residence. The new book, it's in my shop. Go to paranormal60.com, click on the store, scroll down to my Amazon store. You'll find, man, beep, this house I, I like that, but I like this even better. This is, now there are a lot of reviews. Every review loves this book, except this one. Man, beep this book. <laughs> this book was so bad, just beyond bad. Even a child would be able to come up with something better. It went from one-dimensional characters to complete and total ridiculousness. It's hard to believe that a book called Man, Boop This House might be considered a little ridiculous. Everybody else that reviewed it seemed to be in on the joke and got the concept that this guy was probably going for kind of the avant-garde feel. I think Mm. what you missed there was that it said at the bottom that 14 people found that review helpful. 14 people. (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. A lot of people believe a lot lot of people don't get it though, man. Yeah. A lot of people don't get it. You know, you try to put something out there and, and then you just get haters, man. I've been there. I know. Speaking what of like. haters, Eric Folsom, wow. it is your what? These transitions tonight. We got to work with Dave on his transition. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. All right, where are we off to next? Well, got the striper shirt on. I wear yeah. it daily, mm-hmm. and I think I have the best uh, the story of the week. Okay. Nothing I like more than a rock concert and sure. rock musicians. Mm-hmm. It's certainly dealing with uh, working with with Perry on all of our special projects on the side. You guys aren't aware of, but I'll catch up later. <laughs> right, right. Um, this is a story about the Rolling Stones' Ronnie Woods' ex-wife, Joe Wood, if she could, says she dated aliens because she has extraterrestrial blood. Mm. That's what proves the dating. Mm. So, she claims to have witnessed several unexplained objects 
whizzing across the skies and thinks we are not alone. She believes that aliens are among us, she says. I might have had a few boyfriends that were aliens. A psychic once told me I had alien blood in me, so you just never know. It takes one to know one. Interestingly enough, she spotted her first strange object in the sky in 1998 while on tour with the Rolling Stones. Later when the band was in France, she saw another one, but not everyone was a believer. She recalled, I said, what's that? I believed it was a UFO. But Mick Jagger went, don't be so stupid. He looks he angry about it, it too. It's don't angry, be so yeah. stupid. Yeah, don't be so stupid. And she said, you know, I have an open mind, and, and I believe I've been visited by aliens three times. Three in times. Brazil, in France, hmm. and probably most scary, on an airplane. Whilst on the airplane? While on an airplane. She doesn't go into a lot of detail, or any detail, for that matter, behind it. But when she had her first supernatural encounter, she said, Ronnie, come here. He came, as she asked. <laughs> if only it were that easy. Wow. What? I, I want to get Ronnie Wood to come over, man. I'd love to meet and hang out Thank with you. him. Thank yeah. you. said, listen, look over there. There are weird lights over the sea about a half a mile away in the ocean. Mm-hmm. It looks like a, uh-oh, I didn't read far enough ahead, sausage-shaped craft hmm. with lights beaming from underneath uh-huh. the water. Hmm. Ronnie ran to get his glasses. I guess he's an old man at this point, as he often did. This thing went off to the right, stopped, and then it went and gone again, as fast as you can imagine. Wait, you mean to tell me that the sausage is off to the left a little? uh, She believes it is. I I cannot say one way or the other. I have not seen photographic proof. All right. Good story. So, uh, Joe Wood, Ronnie Wood's ex-wife, believes that she has dated aliens. She believes that she has alien blood in her. Correct. Too many, too many years of hitting the pipe, or what? Oh, negative, man. We're all, all of us uh, have O negative. Where that's that's alien blood. So, all right. Well, is she never said it was Ronnie. She said it was boyfriend she dated. Right, right. Um, guys, I have got something disturbing to share with you. As a matter of fact, this was a story I wasn't even sure I wanted to break on the show because I knew how it could shake our paradigms. This is something that is going to get you at the root because what I'm about to do is expose something that all of us have held true for over 30 years when it comes to ghosts. So I I don't know how else nicer to say it. Prepare to have your mind blown. All right. This is weird. As part of the most iconic and valued gaming franchise in the world, the ghosts of Pac-Man have been hiding a secret. And today on the Paranormal 60 Minutes, we're about to reveal that secret. Oh, yeah, you should look nervous. You should look nervous, ghosts, because we're about to show the truth behind who you really are. Listen to this. And this is true. This is, again, not an April Fool's joke. This is true. As part of the most iconic game, the ghosts are well-known, right? We've seen Inky, Blinky, Twinky, and Dot, or whatever they're, yeah, chasing poor Pac-Man around for years, trying to kill him, trying to take him out, right? And uh, despite looking similar, there are a surprising number of differences between them, especially considering that the game came out back in 1980 when video games weren't the complex programs that they are today. Blinky, Inky, Pinky, and Clyde. There's your fourth one, in case you guys forgot the names. Have plenty of secrets, but one of the most interesting ones is that they're not ghosts at all. Mm Mm-hmm. How can I back this up? Hold on. Despite looking like your standard ghost running around in a little sheet, they're actually a bit more terrifying. Now, Twitter user Lucky Bean, who's always been very good at, at sneaking us the intel, posted an image from Pac-Man of Blinky unmasking himself and coming out from under its red sheet. The ghost emerges with two legs, an oval body, and two eyes that sat atop of the oval. A bit creepy and bug-like, but definitely not a ghost. The user asked if Namco ever explained this creepy creature. While there's no official explanation, some of the images do appear in the actual game itself. Players had to get to the second and third 
cutscenes of the original game in order to see the creatures, which is not easy to do. Guys, I think I've played that game solid for 30 years. I've never gotten to the cutscene. I'm just out hundreds of dollars of quarters. <laughs> I've never gotten to one cutscene. Blinky, all right, check this out. Blinky gets caught chasing Pac-Man in the second cutscene, and his costume starts to rip off, which then leads to reveal what's truly underneath. And in the third cutscene, it's seen again with the costume half off and the upper part of the body exposed, crawling on the ground. Hard to believe. Here is the actual footage for those of you that have never made it to the second and third cutscene. Prepare for your worlds to be shattered. <laughs> Right. That is, I've never seen that. That is really weird. Now, if that's not disturbing enough, uh, what's his name? Lucky Beans. I almost said Easy Beans. Uh, he has the actual photographs from the Namco design. Here he is, his first pass through when he tears his pant. You see the, you see his one leg. Then when he comes crawling by, off sloughs the red sheet. Yep. And I don't know about you guys, but that's kind of a weird phallic-y looking creature hiding underneath yeah. those those sheets yeah and pac-man's trying to eat it all the time there's been a lot of discussion on that i uh, worked at a pizza hut for a little while we had one of those and uh, somebody came in with a little like a um, mimeographed go look that word up a mimeographed mm -hmm. book on the pattern that you have to do for each one and so you learn that pattern and so everybody was getting up to that. And that was a, a big point of contention as far as what, what was, is it a snail? What, it, what is this thing? It's crazy. It's, so you've seen this before, Greg, this is not oh, yeah. a mind blower for you. No, no, no. I've never, Eric, never, Marty? never, no. Well, we had that, we had that little book and we all learned the, learned the patterns. I can still get to the first cut scene. So you admit that you cheat at video. Yeah. Oh, ab yes, yeah. absolutely. You probably took the stickers it, off the Rubik's Cube. If, if, if yeah. you're not cheating, you're not trying, Dave. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. I got gotcha. you. I guess it's there could be no hat. victory without sacrifice. Is that it's what you're a saying? life hack. That's right. Only, only, for, you know, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, since we're in the realm of video games, before we wrap up, there's a new movie that's coming out next week on Netflix, and it's based around a video game. The movie is called Choose or Die. Netflix's new horror movie is all about a demonic retro game that unleashes a terrible curse. It's part Jumanji, part Hunter versus Hunter, Greed Island arc. Uh, it's part of Netflix's very own Black Mirror, Bandersnatch kind of series, and a whole lot of screaming and glowing green screens will be on this. In the movie Choose or Die, a young coder stumbles upon a text-based retro game, tries to beat it to win the top prize. But she soon discovers that this is no ordinary game. It's a cursed game. And fittingly, it's called Cursor. The game eerily reflects real life, and soon the choices she's forced to make start to turn deadly. And as the old adage says, if you die in the game, you definitely die in real life. Choose or Die stars Iola Evans from Carnival Row and the 100 and Sex Education's Asia Butterfield. The movie premieres on Netflix on April 15th. Let's take a quick look at the trailer. Congratulations. You are worthy. And remember, reality is cursed. You are fired. Saw the eviction notice. This used to be a good neighborhood. What's this? Cursor. With a 125 grand prize. There are a ton of unclaimed prizes from retro games. Could be easy money. You know Wilkie's on 37th? Yes, I do. Meet me there tonight at 1.30. It's a date. It's a deal. It's not like anything I've ever seen before. 
It seemed to affect reality. Choose, Kayla. Choose or die. Clean up. How is he doing? It's almost putting the words on the screen before I say them. I don't see how a video game can kill someone. The more the cursed suffer, the more the cursor benefits. It's not you here. It can't be for anything good. It's gonna hurt. We gotta choose, Caleb. I think you might be what it was looking for. That is disturbing. That is hell. That syringe scene. Oh, God. Yeah. The sink full of syringes. The guy has to choose. Is he going to plunge his face into it or die? Terrifying. This has got like a, a feeling of the ring, right? Like this curse is passed on. It's got a little bit of a jigsaw, kind of those, uh, you know, saw movies. It's got a little bit of the um, the creep edge of, of uh, the scream movies. I don't know. This and looks like week, a gore fest. Yes. We will have Slash on to review that with us. <laughs> Boy, you're big, you're making on, big promises, man. I don't know if I could do that. Gentlemen, thank you for uh, being here, delivering the news as you often do. And thank you to all of our amazing viewers around the world. To our listeners, please do us a favor. Like this video. Make comments on it. Let us know what you like, what you'd like to see more of. And if you're listening to the audio-only podcast, then we would like you to rate and review this wherever you listen to your audio podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Paranormal 60 Minutes for Martin Vaez, Greg Lawson, Eric Folsom, I'm Dave Schrader. We'll be back again next week with more news. Uh-huh.